Welcome into another edition of the Rocky Top Talk podcast. I am Terry Lambert, joined as always by Evan. Evan, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing great, man. We've got week one of college football to talk about, so honestly, I couldn't be better. Yes, football is back. Uh, coming off of week one, I mean, I, I guess technically it was week four, but week one for us, uh, week <laughs> one for real college football. Uh, Tennessee comes out on top of South Carolina. Kind of a kind of an odd game that that turned into a high scoring affair. Uh, we're gonna dive into all that, break it down, what stood out to us, what Tennessee did well, what they didn't do so well, what they can improve on going forward. Um, as always, RockyTopTalk.com Rocky uh, for all your latest Tennessee news and information. Uh, check us out over there. Uh, all right, we'll we'll just dive right into this game here. Uh, Tennessee comes out on top, 31-27. Uh, it takes a botched punt at the end of the game by South Carolina to, to seal it for Tennessee. Uh, Gamecocks were going to have a chance to try and go down and win it. They had to score a touchdown. Um, at that point in the game, kind of felt, felt decent about Tennessee's uh, defensive chances there. Uh, the pass rush was, was was actually pretty good there late in the game. DeAndre Johnson, we'll dive into that a little later. Uh, but felt felt good about Tennessee's chances, but thankfully uh, we didn't even need to, to see that part of it. So uh, 31 points, Tennessee gets a pick six from Henry Toto. That helped things out early. Um, but going back to the start, it, it, was, it was a really slow start. And, you know, you look at this defense, you look at the guys that were out due to the COVID stuff. Uh, you know, we don't have a lot of information on the why, but you can just kind of assume what's going on here with the quarantine. Uh, a couple of uh, defensive linemen out, Darrell Middleton out. Uh, Jalen McCullough was, couldn't practice. Uh, you know, you had Bryce Thompson starting at, at safety. You had Warren Burrell playing safety. Uh, no Sean Schamberger. So a lot of mixing and matching, and South Carolina walked down the field and, and scored early. So... Uh, what were your thoughts? What was going through your head in that first quarter? Not gonna lie, I was worried, man. Um, especially after the botch snap on the pump, on the fumble or on the punt. Sorry. Um, but then Tennessee's defense really stepped up, came through the big tackle for loss. Alante Alante Taylor did on the first down, um, and that just kind of set things up from there to kind of develop into how they did. I'm not saying tackle for loss was the you know turning play of the game or anything like that, but. Um, yeah, it didn't look good, but you know, at the same time, I still remember the uh, Auburn game from a couple years ago. Whenever in the group chat, whenever you brought this up, you know, team script plays in the beginning. So those first 10, 15 plays, usually a, a good team or a team that's at least has some building blocks on offense is going to find a way to move the ball. Uh, more than likely, they're going to find a way to score points. So once you saw Tennessee kind of make the stand, or not kind of, once you saw them make the stand after the block punt, um, I, I felt a lot better. And then obviously as the game wore on, uh, felt better and better as the game went on uh, more and more. Yeah, so, so Tennessee ends up starting Danico Slaughter at the star. Um, huge. Which we've talked about it is a really important uh, position in this defense. Uh, Sean Schamberger makes a lot of noise. He's a veteran, veteran there. He was out. So Slaughter starts the game. South Carolina went right at him. Uh, yeah. Shia Smith goes 10 for 140 and a touchdown. And it didn't seem like they were doing anything too complicated. Uh, they were just running quick slants. And, and Tennessee 
failed to adjust early on. Uh, it, it took a couple of drives. Um, you know, I, I thought Colin Hill, the, the South Carolina quarterback, uh, coming off of his third ACL tear, was pretty good uh, considering it, it was his first game. Uh, but then you saw the, the defensive staff finally start to adjust, uh, finally get up on them. Tanika Slaughter settled in. Uh, you saw a lot of guys settled in. I mean, Elijah Simmons started at nose tackle uh, with with Middleton out. Uh, so a, a lot of a lot of changes, a lot of juggling. Something you're going to see, you know, as the season goes on. I, I I think it's important to note nothing's guaranteed. You know, things can change 12 hours before a kickoff. Uh, you know, some key players didn't make the trip. Uh, things things just changed in a hurry. But I think it 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 reminded me of the entire second half of the 2019 season. Tennessee came out, got hit in the mouth, settled down, uh, and and then acted like a group of veterans. And uh, you know that that big play from from Henry Toe Toe, uh, who I think is the best player on the football field uh, over the weekend, uh, really really changed the game. When you think about uh, Danico versus Shy, you've got a senior. I think you're pretty sure he was a senior wide receiver going against a freshman quarterback. So obviously there's an advantage there as well. Um, and yeah, that star position is absolutely crucial in this defense. And props to Danico for taking his lumps and making some plays as the game went on. Obviously he had the big sack, which helped out major um, or helped Tennessee out in a major way. Uh, and then that's also one of the impressive parts or points about this win is the fact that there were those changes right before the game. Tennessee was on the road. You know, obviously we already mentioned it, the weird off season. And then the fact that, like you said, nothing's guaranteed. That And it's an SEC win. It's not like, you know, Tennessee went on the, uh, the road and struggled against North Carolina State or something like that. Um, or just North Carolina. Well, no, I'm not going to say North Carolina because that's giving them a, that's just giving them disrespect these days. Um, but so, yeah, I mean, overall, you've got to feel really good about the win. Um, and man, DeAndre Johnson, he absolutely that was yes. I was not expecting that. It was absolutely great. And at one point in time, I was kind of like Daryl Taylor. Who? I mean, yeah. <laughs> hopefully, how how do you think he can build off of this performance and what how if he is. How much does this change the perception of this defense if he's able to be a consistent pass rush threat like this? Well, that's what I wrote on Sunday. I was like, things are going to change now for DeAndre because uh, you, now you're 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 not going to get that single tackle on the edge. You're going to get a tight end. Right. You're going to get a running back every time. So you're going to have to beat two guys more often, which is good. You know, by the way, it, it's good. It it forces attention to one player, frees up other people. Um, for Tennessee to have that alpha pass rusher, you know, they they made me look stupid because I wrote last week that that pass rusher was was their biggest weakness, and well, you couldn't complain though. Jeremy Pruitt himself even said, "Oh yeah, I'm happy with it," you know. Yeah, I just didn't know who was going to emerge. I, I thought it was possible a, a freshman could emerge late in the year, but to see him come out totally transformed, um, two and a half sacks in 2019. He gets two and a half sacks on Saturday night. Um, so, you know, it's a senior, he's been here, done that, been in the program. Seems like he, he really committed, uh, over this weird off season, uh, and, and really looked as explosive as he's ever looked. Um, uh, you know, it looked like Daryl Taylor to, to use your line there. 
Um, he looked every bit like Daryl Taylor. Now, can can he be consistent? I, I don't know. Like I said, he's going to get a lot more attention. But more that time. that was a that was a big development, and and a couple other guys too. Uh, Tyler Barron, um, looking like Derek Barnett in that number nine jersey. Uh, it's, it's, freshman coming through making two tackles for loss um looked really really powerful uh so i, I thought he made it made a big impact uh Kevon bennett you know yeah. De- deandre johnson was was firing off the edge and Kevon was there trying to clean things up so i thought the defensive front was was really good all things considered uh had a couple guys out but particularly the edges really performed and if tennessee can get like you were saying, a consistent performance like this from the defensive front, that's going to have help out that back end so much. And that's something that will help this defense become just more of a complete defense. Because even though, obviously, the, the secondary struggled against Shai Smith with or just whoever was in that slot position, that strong slot position against um, whoever was playing time, which oftentimes it was Nico Slaughter, even with that issue um, – Tennessee secondary still had a strong night, in my opinion, and that's going to change, obviously, depending on what's going on with Schamberger. Uh, Pruitt didn't really allude to much on that during his Monday press conference. He just said it wasn't a disciplinary reason, which is good, but these days anything outside of that is pretty much a toss-up as to what it could be. Um, Once he comes back, then you have to feel a lot better about this defense. So it was encouraging to see, man, and just overall really happy with that side of the ball and how they played, um, especially Toe Toe, dude. I mean, hey, we haven't mentioned him. Hey, that that touchdown return, yeah. I mean, dude, I the fact that he stayed in bounds just shows how much of an athlete he is. He's he's awesome. He's a tackling machine. I think he had 13, 13 total tackles, something yeah, like that. Yeah, he's crazy, man. He's he's. He's probably going to shatter all kinds of records, and especially if he sticks around um, with this extra year. But I have a feeling he's uh, he's probably going to be headed to the NFL whenever he can, and, and who could blame him? Um, you know, wrapping up the defensive side, I thought it was interesting that Bryce Thompson didn't really man up on on Shai Smith. I thought that was an adjustment that that they could make, but they kind of they kind of left slaughter there. I, I think that that tells you what they think of him. Uh, right. throwing him immediately into that role. So uh, you're right. There, there's a lot of uh, – it's another level to this to this defense. Um, I think the defensive front bailed out the secondary uh, with that pressure. It was totally unexpected to me. Um, but I, I think they changed the game enough and, and slowed South Carolina down enough, did just enough to, to find the win. And, and then those, uh, those couple turnovers, of course. Jeremy Pruitt loves his turnovers. Um, really sealed this game up. Um, offensive side of the ball, uh, you know what we got to start with. <laughs> oh, really? No. Uh, yeah, yeah. Fifth year senior Jared Garantano looks uh, looks just like the the same quarterback we've we've been used to seeing. Um, and and look, you look at his stat line: nineteen of thirty-one, two fifty-nine, and a touchdown. It's fine. It's fine. It's just not going to get Tennessee to the elite level right. and it's it's the consistency you know you, you see him drop that beautiful throw into the bucket of uh josh palmer there yeah, and so then right. you see him misfire on a five-yard drag route and and throw it four yards over the receiver's head it's just maddening i i don't i he is what he is at this point 
it says something that Tennessee doesn't have anything to to compete with him right now. I think Harrison Bailey, that whole whole deal, losing the spring and then putting him in quarantine, that that was a, a big blow. Maybe he could have pushed him, but Garantano is what he is. And uh, you know, I said it. I said it on game night. It's just not good enough to win at an elite level. Here's what I'm hoping. I'm hoping because you know I'm, and I get we're talking about college football. However, I'm kind of of the new style mindset. Throw it on second and short or third and short. Um, run it early on first down, so on and so forth. So this is my just personal desire. However, I feel like it has some logic to it, um, to your unbiased or even pop possibly to somebody on the other side of the fence who likes to run the ball and establish the run, so on and so forth. Um, I'm hoping that Garantano's issues – with just whatever the play that happens where he has an issue, whether it's overthrowing a receiver, so on and so forth, puts the Vols in a situation where they're going to want to actually throw it on these second and short, so on and so forth, because what that will do is it will keep defenses honest, it'll keep defenses from stacking the box, and then... Jim Chaney, we've seen creative enough. We've got guys like Ty Chandler who can move in space, and then Eric Gray, um, who's also very good just in between the tackles but also out in space as well. You lighten the box, and then boom, you hit them with a run out of shotgun or out of 11 personnel, whatever. So I'm actually hoping that somehow these deficiencies, that Tennessee finds a way to mold um, whatever Garantano's wild card might be, or Garantano rather, but man – it's so disheartening watching him miss these guys as wide open as they are, especially like the opening deep shot to Ramel Keaton just down the sideline. I mean, it, the, the Vols aren't going to beat your elite teams not making those plays. And sure, like you said, his stats are great. However, they could be better. They could be so much better. The Vols could have been so much better on Saturday night. They could have scored 42 points. Um you know, they could they, they let two touchdowns off the board. But granted, the Palmer throw was absolutely beautiful. The check down to Gray was great awareness and a willing to adjust or willing to, you know, read the field, so on and so forth. And, man, honestly, I feel like the offensive line helped him out a lot as well. Um, but still, he's got to start making those throws. He can't have those lapses like he had on Saturday night if – the Vols want to win, you know, six or seven games this year. And, you know, it, it's interesting your point because I, I think the coaching staff trusts him. Um, same, same here. 30, 31 attempts. And if you'll think back to the fourth quarter, he's Jim Chaney sitting there dialing up passes, you know, with right. under five to go. Um, that was frustrating to me because I, I felt like it was a point in time where the Tennessee offensive line could have taken over. You know, they came out in three to four consecutive plays in that power goal line set and, and just rammed it down their throat. And I, I wanted to see that continue. But Jim Chaney goes to the air, trusts his quarterback, and it, it just doesn't go well. And that's not even on Garant- Garantano. But I, I'm just talking about the drives in the third quarter, the – you got a chance to go put this team away, drive the nail into yeah. the coffin, and right. you're missing seven-yard curls. You're missing slants. You're missing drags. It, it's just there's so much meat left on this bone for this Tennessee offense. 
Um, I, I, I don't know what to say. I, I don't want to keep railing on the guy, but uh, it, it's, it's just frustrating uh, to watch. Um, you know, and I think I think Jim Chaney can help him out. I think he can make things a little easier. He's got two absolutely electric running backs, Todd Chandler, Eric Gray, um, who he can get in space and and offer easy completions to. You know, I'd, I'd like to see more work in the screen game, more of those throws where Jarrett doesn't have to think, um, doesn't have to make a difficult throw. Uh, yeah, I, I think that would help him out a lot. Uh, just getting your your you know your your two best offensive threats uh, in space with the football uh, when you've got this big nasty offensive line and everyone's expecting to run it. Just throw a screen out there. I, I'd, I'd really like to see that. And, and and also to your point, Tennessee can can kind of spread the field if everyone's expecting them to keep running this ball. Uh, they can kind of spread the field with four receivers there. Um, and, and kind of open things up and then go run the football. So there's some adjustments there from, from Jim Chaney specifically that I'd like to see um, that I think would really help out Jarrett. Definitely. And, I mean, when you – I know it's only one week, but when you look at Mississippi State and uh, Ole Miss over there, you know, maybe spreading them out isn't such a bad idea after all. <laughs> yeah, the the Pirates uh, uh, got him a win against LSU. We're going to get in, into that in a second. Um, finishing up with the offense, Josh Palmer um, looked every part of the wide receiver one that he is supposed to be. He goes six for 85 with a touchdown. Uh, hauled in the big big touchdown late uh, from Garantano. That was, that was a key answer. When things were uh, were kind of tilting South Carolina's way, um, Brandon Johnson made that awesome catch down the sideline, right. one-handed. He, you know, it, he's he's got one of the weirder careers ever in college. He was the leading receiver in 2017. They couldn't find the field for three years, and now he's back um, as a redshirt senior, redshirted last year. Um, he looked apart as a wide receiver too. Uh, Vegas Jones Jr. They used him a ton in the short passing game. That was kind of a surprise to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're going to get him, you know, five, six, seven touches a game. Didn't see a lot out of the freshmen. Uh, didn't see a lot out of the tight ends, but it looked like it was Princeton fans show at the tight end position. So uh, what, what kind of stood out to you at receiver? So, you know, you were being hard on yourself earlier for your defensive line pick as or the pass rush, whatever, as being the weakest part of the team, I picked wide receiver. And that was honestly one of the stronger parts of the team, especially the offense on on Saturday night. I was really impressed with the receivers, especially Josh Palmer. You know I've been high on him since a couple years ago, since his sophomore year. Um, Six receptions, 85 yards, one touchdown. He had a long of 32, which was obviously the touchdown. So showed that he had the deep, the deep uh, ball ability there, still there. And then he was making intermediate catches. He was making short catches. He's really becoming a, uh, a wide receiver one. And, I mean, I'm so excited to see what can happen with him. Obviously, Brandon Johnson looked good. I mean, you mentioned it with the highlight catch. And then, I mean, three catches, 73 yards, and 24.3-yard average. Um, he looks like he might be the deep threat kind of while Josh Palmer obviously still has the deep threat but will begin to work that intermediate of the uh, area of the field more often really like how they used Ramil Keaton 
Um, obviously, he would have had a way bigger night if Garantano was more accurate. And then I'm with you, man. I really want to see Ty Chandler used as a receiver yep. just more often. One catch, 10 yards, sure, that's great. But, man, he can just do so much more, especially in the short area. It just seems like if you watch any NFL game, you see the running back involved heavily in the passing game, no matter no matter what team you're watching. Uh, it just seems like easy yards uh, with, with those two and their ability. Yeah. I, it, it was frustrating last year. They kind of did it against Indiana, but went away from it again here. So that's something to watch. Um, none of the freshmen, Tennessee's got four, four freshmen uh, receivers that are that all could make an impact. D Beck was actually working with the running back, six five, two hundred twenty pound running back. Um, <laughs> did not make the trip, but man, I'm excited to see that guy carry the football. Right. Um, I saw Jalen Hyatt get a, a couple snaps. I think he got one target. Uh, that was his home state. So interested to see if if those guys can can carve out a role. But honestly, uh, these veterans um, seem seem to have the top four on lockdown. Uh, which is good to see. That's how it should be. I think it's a big advantage for Tennessee with, with limited practice uh, and a strange offseason. So you don't want to be introducing freshmen into a new offense. So so I think that's a big advantage for Tennessee. Um, all right, we're going to take a short break. We will be right back, and we're going to kind of look around the SEC. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. All right, we are back. Uh, Going to take a look around the SEC, see who won, lost, who was impressive, who was not so impressive. Uh, I think we got to start out with Mississippi State. Michael Leach, um, Tennessee was supposed to be the SEC team that uh, brought in Leach for his SEC experience. experience. Uh, you know, that wild coaching search happened, and uh, the Leach deal fell, fell apart. So I was excited to see him take the Mississippi State job. And I had a sneaky suspicion that he might give LSU all they wanted. Uh, I think LSU sent 15 or something to the 15 starters in the NFL. So something crazy. And, and the two two coordinators gone. That, that, that would work too. A hundred would work too. Yeah, yeah. Two coordinators gone. Um, you know, call me crazy. I'm, I'm not sure Ed O is is that talented of of a of a head coach to make up the difference for for all of that. And, uh, of course, they struggled. So uh, Mississippi State topples them 44-34. The Pirate gets his first SEC win, and they threw for over 600 yards, and Mississippi State actually looked pretty dang legit. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to disagree with the results, and you couldn't ask for anything more for Mississippi State than to go on the road. What, the Tigers are uh, sixth best team in the country week one or something like that, or that was what they were yeah. ranked, um, to go into LSU and beat them while they're also the defending national champions. Um, the one thing, though, that kind of gets me 
And I granted, like I was just talking about, you know, this kind of runs contradictory. What I was just talking about with the Vols. However, um, Mississippi State only had I think like 20 yards on the ground or something. Whenever you subtract or like net yards, uh, and that's not just not going to happen. That's not going to work in the SEC long term. But regardless, man, for them to go in there and do that, take them, the Tigers down, not just to win on like a last-second field goal either, to win by 10 points, um, it's got some heads turned for sure. It's got my attention and definitely going to be paying attention to see what Leach can do. But here's the thing. Even if – so they've got this win to build off of. Even if they do end up with like a 6-4 and four season, you know, something just pretty good, but, you know, not earth-shattering um, – this win enough should be enough, or this win alone rather should be enough to get some pretty damn good recruits in next year, yeah. which is only going to help further this uh, process for Mike Leach. I mean, that's a program that that you'd want to go be a part of. I mean, right. that, that's also who what receiver isn't going to go commit to that and go put up two hundred yards a game. Um, yeah, I, I think. He can win quickly with his system. You know, I've always kind of said it, it's like the, uh, the the flex bone, uh, triple option style offense. It gives teams without elite talent a chance to beat elite teams because it's just something different to prepare for. And lo and behold, instantly it pays off. I, I don't know if he can if he can build this long term, but uh, just instantly installing his his stuff and going out and beating LSU is very impressive. Well, um, and, and on the defensive side of the ball, they had seven sacks and two. Yeah, yeah. So, so that right there, I mean, hell, I, like I was saying, run. You have to have a running game in this. Well, defense will definitely get it done. So it's not just offense. Apparently, I mean, seven sacks and two interceptions is nothing to balk at. Definitely a, a early transformation there. Uh, also impressive. Florida puts up 51 points. I, I know the Ole Miss defense is might be one of the worst in the league, uh, but Cal Trask, um, that's a guy you're going to have to deal with. That's a guy you're going to have to go through uh, to win the East for sure, maybe to, to win the entire thing. Uh, they beat Ole Miss 51-35. Lane Kiffin's offense looked pretty good, put up 35 points. I, I think it was – I think it says something – that the Gators gave up 35 points to Ole Miss. Maybe that's a, a potential weakness there. But Kyle Trask is, uh, is a major, major difference maker. And when you compare him to someone like Jerry Garantano, uh, you know, we were saying he's not good enough to beat the elite. That's one of the elite that you're going to have to beat. And, and that's, that's just hard to see right now. It's crazy to think that just a couple years ago, the Vols and Gators are playing. People were like, Kyle Trask, you know, I can't remember the exact stat, but hasn't started a game since high school, or has only started yeah. two games since high school, and now he's could potentially win the Heisman Trophy this year. Um, I mean, it's just Dan Mullen, dude. He knows how to work these quarterbacks. He knows how to just maximize the hell out of the signal callers that play for him, and that's one reason why I wanted him at Tennessee so bad. Like, I honestly think he can make JG, uh, you know, a routine, you know, 300 yard to three touchdown type guy. Um, and I mean, yeah, 35 points is impressive. And this is just me also throwing shade, shade at Lane Kiffin just because it's Lane Kiffin. But I think the Gators were up like 41 21 heading into the fourth quarter or something like that. So, yeah, two touchdowns in the fourth quarter is nice. And a lot of times it's going to win you games. 
but at the same time, um, I, you know, you, we, the the Gator defense could have been lax. I don't know. I haven't watched the game at all, honestly. I haven't watched one snap <laughs> from that game, so so I'm kind of showing my ass on that one. But, uh, but either way, dude, Kyle Trask, 416 yards, six touchdowns. You cannot you cannot argue against that. And yeah, man, the the he's gonna be. He's going to be a force to deal with this year for sure. Yeah, Lane's got a tough road ahead in Oxford. Oh my think, god! I think yeah, that's a that's a couple yeah. years at least. You uh, hate to see it. <laughs> <laughs> it'll be interesting. Any and it, it, it'll be entertaining. Uh, you know. By the way, we we were absolutely robbed of SEC media days with Michael Leach and Lane Giffen. Just just oh, throwing that yeah, out I there. I think about that a lot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's going to be very entertaining. Uh, hopefully next year. Um, Kentucky hangs with Auburn early. Auburn pulls away late. That's kind of the way I, I saw that one going. I, I just, I don't know. Kentucky is is just a few steps away. Uh, everyone was hyping up Terry Wilson. wasn't wasn't super impressed with him overall. Um, Auburn pulls away and wins that one. Um, team of interest here is Georgia. Georgia had a fascinating game against Arkansas. Right. That game was seven five. And it goes into the third quarter. Um, Arkansas is is holding a lead. I think it was 10-5. And then Georgia eventually turns it on and pulls away. Uh, big story there. Uh, Georgia's quarterback situation was just putrid. Uh, you know, they, they roll out Bennett. They roll out Mathis. Uh, Bennett turned it on in the second half. JT Daniels has now been cleared. So you would expect him to start. Uh, after Jamie Newman opts out and, and is preparing for the NFL draft. So uh, JT Daniels, definitely one to watch. And uh, him getting cleared is a big deal for the Bulldogs because uh, that was a team that I don't think can even hang with Florida. And, uh, you know, if they put that effort onto the field against Tennessee, I think the Vols would have a pretty good shot at beating them. We talked about it. Uh, a few weeks ago when we did the last podcast, this Georgia game is circled on my calendar, um, and this is the exact reason why. Uh, obviously, it was a lot more clear when Jamie Newman was still in the fold when we last talked about it, and he was likely going to be the starter. However, if there were any kind of lumps in the road, we didn't know how Georgia was going to react, so on and so forth, and him opting out, it just completely threw this situation uh, for a loop. Yeah, man. I, I, I mean, what if JT Daniels, I almost said JT Shroud, what if JT <laughs> Daniels struggles next week? Do you still have the confidence to start him against, you know, hopefully a Tennessee defense that just shut down Sean Robinson or Connor uh, Basliak? I believe that's how he pronounces his last name, whoever plays next week for Missouri. Um, you know, it's going to leave a lot of questions. And honestly, you know, Tennessee – is a lot better than Arkansas. And something tells me that if Georgia struggles in the first half like they did against Tennessee, like they did against Arkansas, it's going to be a lot worse than a 7-5 to five deficit. Um, so Georgia's got a lot to figure out yeah. this week. And, man, I, I mean, trust me, I'm going to have both my eyes, glasses, everything on that game to see how they play this week because – Depending on what happens, it's going to say a lot about going into the Week 3 matchup with the Vols. Well, you know, and it's interesting, too, because this would be a hell of a week to welcome the Citadel to Athens. But <laughs> right? exactly. you don't get that this year. Nope. nope. You welcome the Auburn Tigers. 
So you're going to have yeah. to figure it out on the fly. You're going to have to toss him into the fire. You're going to have to decide, is he playing well enough that we can that we can roll with this, or do you do you change it up and, and you know try and win the game? But I, I think Daniels is the ultimate answer. But how quickly does he take to that offense? Uh, you know, is he is he even ready to go? And the, uh, his health, yeah, that's the biggest thing. What so is- yeah, it's it's a really interesting situation there. Um, Auburn and then Tennessee. So a big couple weeks for the Georgia Bulldogs and quite a few questions there. Um, all right, final game. Well, I guess we should mention that the Vanderbilt Commodores played Dude, yeah, uh, A&M really 30 tough. 30-point underdog, yeah. man. Yeah, I mean, A&M, I, I'm, I'm never going to be a believer in Jimbo Fisher. He's overhyped every right. year. And he, they're, they're just not ever going to go compete with Alabama. LSU, Auburn, consistently. I don't think they're ever going to get over that hump. Uh, maybe I'm wrong, but uh, to, to this point in time, he's just been a, a gigantic letdown. Impressed with Vanderbilt rolling out a uh, freshman quarterback. You know, everyone kind of buried them before the season started. They had a ton of opt-outs. but um, So that, that was a surprise of week one. Uh, final game is the uh, Missouri Alabama game. Of course, Tennessee will welcome Missouri next week. Uh, Alabama rolled in this one. It, it's 38-19 was the final. Uh, I'm not sure what the halftime score, but Bama flipped over. It was 28 to three, something like yeah. that. Yeah. Uh, Bama pulled their starters at halftime. So. Missouri is an interesting evaluation because we know nothing about them. <laughs> yeah, man, 100%. And, I mean, we don't just kind of like Georgia. We don't really know what their quarter, quarterback situation is going to be like. Uh, Sean Robinson got a start, but Connor Basilak did come in later in, on during the game. I never really liked the Eli Drinkwitz hire to begin with. I know he did some good things. I can't think of it right off the top of my head. Or where he, I think North Carolina State, maybe. Is that where he came NC from? NC State offensive coordinator. Then he spent yeah, a year at App, where App That's just. Right. That's know. right. App State, yeah. App yeah. State. Yeah, so, um, I mean, yeah, they've always had a solid program. Uh, we know all well about that from the meeting a few years ago. But um, they've got a lot to figure out. Uh, got to watch out for Larry Roundtree, though. Yep this week um he's an absolute playmaker but then outside of him though tyler bay he's a good deep threat but outside of him i'm, I'm not really too worried about missouri this week yeah tennessee opened as a 13 point favorite that number's actually been bet down quite a bit i think it's sitting at 11 it, it touched it touched nine today and, and worked back to 11 so dude i don't i don't bet college football but i might take that all day That's yeah yeah, especially if it gets under 10. Uh, I just think Tennessee's physicality, Tennessee's continuity, uh, you know, you're not installing a new offense. I think that is a big, big deal, exactly. um, especially against teams like, like South Carolina. South Carolina installing a new offense. Yep. Uh, had to do it during a pandemic. Uh, yep. Missouri welcoming an entirely new coaching staff. I, I just think for, for teams like that, unless you are Michael Leach, uh, it, it's gonna be <laughs> it's going to be rough. Um, any uh, any closing thoughts as, as we wrap up this podcast there, Evan? I mean, dude, you led into it perfectly. Um, there's so much inconsistency in terms of what teams are trying to do, new systems being installed, new head coaches, new quarterbacks that Tennessee faces on their schedule this year. Um, for a while there, it was leading towards, and I was going to write an article about this, 
where the Vols were literally going to face a new quarterback in every single game, but <laughs> Auburn being put on the schedule and uh, Texas A&M and being put on the schedule uh, kind of ruined that regardless. Um, dude, yeah, continuity is key. And Tennessee, man, if they can improve, I really liked what I saw Saturday night. Obviously, they've got some things to work on, but I really liked what I saw Saturday night, especially them going on the road. Um, if they could continue to build on what we saw, there is a very good chance this team could squeeze out seven wins this season. And this is coming from a guy who predicted them to go five and five this year. Yeah, the continuity and, and resiliency. You know, just and, to and, see and learn how to win. They're yep. like. Real quick, too. Yeah, sorry. Like, but the the South Carolina fumble at the end of the game reminded me of Tennessee trying to find their way under the early bush. Oh yeah. You know, being there at the end of the game, but then they just do something just back breaking at the end because of lack of experience, whatever. Um, and also that makes it so ironic that a freshman and uh, uh, Jimmy, I can't think of his last Jimmy name. Holiday. Yeah. Yeah, Jimmy Holiday. I almost said Jimmy Holmes for some reason, <laughs> but uh, Jimmy Holiday. Uh, landed on the fumble and recovered the ball, had the awareness to to make the play. So there's just so much to like about Saturday night. And if they just keep building like we think they're going to and like they're supposed to, then there's a very good chance at a very good season. Yeah, re- resiliency. That that game, like I said, reminded me of, of every game down the stretch in, in 2019. Uh, right. You know, you think back to, to Kentucky, you think back to the Missouri game, uh, you know, just just learning how to win the Indiana game. Uh, yep. Even even that that Alabama game, which 100%. I still will say is a turning point for Jeremy Pruitt's entire program, uh, proving that he belonged on the same field with Alabama that night. Uh, from that point forward, it's been it's been a consistent effort from this team. Uh, you know, like we said, just need a consistent effort under center. Um, <laughs> unfortunately, uh, we'll see how that goes though. All right, uh, thanks for listening. We will. I'm gonna do some things with the uh, the, the Missouri site over there. Uh, we're gonna ha- we're gonna have a lot of previews for this going uh, this game this weekend. Evan's gonna have his preview, three keys, all that good stuff. I'll be telling you what Jer- Jeremy Pruitt told the media today. Um, so follow us over there, RockyTopTalk.com. Thanks for listening, and we will talk to you next time.